I'm Danny Kelly, host of the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. And from now until the draft, we are turning our feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show to talk all things draft with me, Danny Heifetz, Ben Solak, and Craig Horlbeck. Check us out on Tuesdays and Thursdays and search the Ringer NFL Draft Show. It's the Full Goal presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every, that's right, every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Chicago everywhere, check it. Not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. Man, NBA basketball is fucking great. Like, teams that are out here acting up and putting on shows every single night. Like, I'm watching Knicks-Kings right now. Like, it's high-level shit going on on that court. Like, <laughs> and it's the man. Knicks and Kings. Yeah. That's a crazy hey, that's part. A- we Listen, we have, we have lived through this whole circle of bulls craziness for the Knicks and Kings to be entertaining. Hey, some of the best years of my basketball life were when the Knicks and the Kings were good. <laughs> when the King, hey man, let me tell you something right now. As a true blue, Michigan and Chris Webber and Jalen Rose and Jawan Howard and Jimmy King and Ray Jackson fan. Like, I followed each one of those dudes' careers through the NBA and even a couple of Ray and Jimmy who sacrificed their games, you know, as, as you know, members of the Fab Five. They didn't pop off. I think Jimmy had a cup of coffee in Toronto, if I'm not mistaken. I know Ray bounced around some professional basketball associations around the country and overseas. But, man, Jawan, you know, from the crib, so watched him all the time. You know, watched him as a bullet Watched him almost break the fucking salary cap. Uh, well, break the CBA. Like, Jawan Howard, if I'm not mistaken, his deal, I think the Miami Heat signed him to an offer sheet or something like that. And they kind of, everybody was like, hey, hold on now. Because it was like $90 million. Back when $95 million was like $95 million. And you're like, wait a minute, Jawan just got broke off. So I, I, I watched all of those careers. but none, And, of course, Jalen going to Denver. And and them using him as a point forward and have, having a ball a lot, and then him going to Indiana and just blossoming and being uh, damn near the the if not the best second best player on a championship contender. Like we go back and and watch some of those Pacers team at the end of Reggie Miller's career. Like they had some shit, man. <laughs> they had some dudes, and then of course him being a bull. But man, Chris Webber was the dude to me as a kid. So watching that cat. As as the the maturation where that year in Golden State where he was doing everything, ever, I could not wait to watch West Coast basketball because that dude was a man amongst men. That dude was doing that shit to uh, that series between he and Charles Barkley and the Phoenix Suns Golden State Warriors one eight series. 
when 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 he was a child and Barkley was out there getting the MVP that year, that was one of my favorite series as a basketball fan to ever consume. I go back. I, I, man, what was the stat line? Like Barkley did something stupid that series, like thirty six and twelve and eight or some something horrifying. Like, and that was before a thousand possessions a game, right? Like now, where you got a million possessions, where you're looking at dudes triple doubles, like. Ah! You was just on the court for a whole bunch of possessions, fan. And, and it sounds like Aiden, and I sound like the old cat right now, and I'm doing both. But, man, that series changed my world because Chris was doing the shit that you, you would hope he would do on the professional level after seeing him do it for such a short time. And then when he got traded from the Bullets to the Kings and he hated life, watching that dude as a king, when he arrived and just changing what the Kings, like, changing what the, the franchise even felt like. Because they had Mitch Richmond before. Like, they had some ballers. They had some dudes who put up some numbers. It was just, it was the Kings. And then the, 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 the Jason Williams, Chris Weber era then turns into Mike Bibby and Vladdy Divac and Lawrence Funderburk and Bobby Jackson and Peja being one of the greatest shooters we had ever seen. And then them in Portland and L.A. going at it every year in the Western Conference for like three years in a row. Like, those are the days, dude. So, yeah, I'm all in for Knicks and Kings. Hell, you what is it? Kings? Would it be Kings Warriors? Did we talk about this in the pod? I think it was Kings Warriors would be the first round series or some shit. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. So, shout out to Mike Brown, a dude who... Everybody questioned, and he gave him reasons. He gave him reasons as a head coach, right? When he had that first spin with Bron, he gave him reasons. But Mike Brown's always been a terrific game planner. He's always been a terrific coordinator, and now he's got a bunch of dudes that just are ready to stop losing. Right? He learned how to coach offense. Yeah. Well, he was a defensive dude, and his issue was not really creative offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... The things that you go back and watch Bron's first few years and where he was on the court, even as the main ball handler, was ridiculous. Like he was always starting Bron on the wing, where that kind of dude, you just put him in the middle of the court and, and allow for no help to come quick enough because the pass is going to get there because he's LeBron fucking James, right? So, yeah, man, this is a this is a fun fun playoff stretch we're getting ready to have here, right? And you know, this is this is my part where I work in the, the Chicago angle, right? And say, oh, but what about the Bulls? Listen, y'all. Listen. I we took a we took a tally on the desk the other night, the, the pregame crew and I. And uh I won't say who voted what and how or who, but I voted because they were asking me, hey, what you think this think this thing is gonna make it to the play-in? And I said no. I said no. And I think it's too much, too little, too late in terms of some of the things that we're seeing. Like, for instance, Zach Levine, if you haven't been paying attention or haven't been catching this pod in sequential order for some reason, and shame on you if that's the case. Dude, Zach Levine's on a damn tear. Like, Zach is playing. And it's not just on some, okay, because, you know, Zach can, Zach's game aesthetically, if you want to put Zach in the gunner, you know, category, like the old heads do every once in a while, you can because of how it looks when he's doing it, right? Where he's shooting certain things from and, you know, the heat checks that are like, okay. And then he hits that heat check. Like, Zach's game is explosive. Like, that's the best way to put it to me. And, and going into Denver, I didn't give them much of a chance to win that basketball game because you're going up against the Denver Nuggets who had only lost four times in the entire season on their own court. They were 30 and four. And the, the NBA happened in that moment where they, and, and by the way, was the Bulls are like the, the second team in like a, a half a decade or something like that to win the two games in a row on the road against Denver. So it's hard to win in that stadium. It's hard to win in that city. So kudos to the Bulls and, Kudos to Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic. Like, this is the thing, man. All these, these moments where it's like, 
and I keep saying it, and I know you guys are tired of hearing it at this point, but, man, they, the game asks them how hard do you want to play, and they answer it. And sometimes they answer it against a real foe because the real foe raises their level of play. You can't tell me that this team didn't morph itself into this ball-moving, back-cutting. Like, the back-cutting, I saw more back-cuts against the Denver Nuggets because the Denver Nuggets back-cut the shit out of you than I've seen in the last two weeks combined. Guys move Moving off of the ball and without the ball. And let's face it, this is the other thing, too. And I don't have the number in front of me. And, you know, shame on me for being a poor host and not doing this and, 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 uh, and, 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 and you know, preceding this podcast. But, man, I don't know how much DeMar DeRozan had his hands on the basketball, but it seemed like a lot less than what we were used to. And you know what? Look at his assist numbers. Look at his. He, he had eight, nine assists. Like, this thing isn't hard. It really isn't hard. There's a lot of moments where Zach Levine just needs to be spastic energy Zach, Zach Levine. And there's like four or five moments a game where, okay, it's going to be two or three possessions where he needs to get a shot or two off. And that's it. And they're going to they're gonna stack. And all you got to do is make sure that when you feel him getting warmed up, you keep feeding that thing because at some point there's going to be the turnover that you're not expecting or, you know, like there's going to be the, the defensive mistake. And that's the other thing, too. Zach was D'ing up. And, and by the way, when this pod comes out, happy birthday to Zach Levine because his, uh, his, his wife, I was going to say his fiance, his wife and uh, his family and everybody surprised him in Denver. They just pulled up at courtside, and Zach didn't know that that was happening, so his family surprised him. And good thing for Zach, because Zach is a good dude, because, ladies and gentlemen, that can go a whole bunch of different ways. You just pulling up and on the road in the NBA, it's just surprise. Oh, no doubt, surprise. You know what I mean? Like, you guys, so shout out to being a good dude. Shout out to being a good man. She know what the deal was. <laughs> <laughs> she know what the deal was. Don't say nothing to me. Don't look at me. <laughs> oh my goodness! But man, Zach's been on a tear. Pat Williams is, you know, his his play is starting to pick up again a little bit. I mean, I, this team does enough to tease you. I won't be teased anymore, right? And I understand that there are going to be some, you know, I I, I watched Houston. Uh, I watched Houston, who would they play? Indiana. I watched Houston play Indiana. By the way, Ben Matherin turned his ankle nasty. I know, Tony. I know. I'm I'm just trying to get ready for the Saturday game. That's all. I try to try to give the people a little bit of that I watch the game feel. You feel me? That's all. I saw my guy Ryan Holland shot him a text message doing a terrific job as a color analyst analyst on the uh the Houston uh television side of things. But that team too, man. Al Alperin Shingoon. I'm a big fan. He dominated the Bulls last time he saw them. And Jabari Smith, I don't know if anybody's watching, but Jabari Smith is not overthinking the game anymore. That dude is just going with the flow. And apparently he's like this incredibly detailed rookie. Like he he wants to know where his feet should be at all times and how his shot looks. And he's always asking questions. And they just pretty much told him post-All-Star break, hey, man, shut that shit up and just go hoop. Stop putting too much pressure on yourself because of where you were picked. Do you see the rest of this team? <laughs> Jalen Green is out here falling from the rafters. He ain't worried about his footwork, right? You know, you happy to have Kevin Porter Jr., you know, for at least 55, 60 games a season because you never know what KPJ is going to be up to, right? So just go hoop. Like, I would not be surprised if you see the Bulls have a tough go at it with the Houston Rockets, nor would I be surprised if the Bulls beat them by 20. Because they're starting to stick to the script a little bit more. Now, defensively, there's been some slippage. So it was good to see them play the defense that they, they did against Nikola Jokic and uh, Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. Um, I still got my questions about that Denver team. Still got my questions about, you know, they are the best team in the West right now. Don't get me wrong. And depending on what this, this KD ankle is looking like, you know, the, I mean, it seems like he's going to be out for the rest of the regular season with this ankle, the way that they're talking about it. So yeah, they, they're already thin in the bench. That's why I thought the Phoenix Suns would not be better than the previous, you know, the previous um, element that was the Memphis Grizzlies because, that thing has changed for the worse now because of everything that John Moran has on his plate. But man, the Denver Nuggets are the 
to me, far and away the best team, one through 12, right? But I don't know that in that game six, in that game seven, if Mike Malone looks at his big man and go, yo, I need 48 out of you tonight. We got Jamal Murray isn't playing well, or Michael Porter Jr. is hurt, or Aaron Gordon is, you know, something's going on. They, 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 they're figuring out how to defend him the first five or six games of the of the series. I need 48 out of you tonight. If you give me 50, then damn it, we call you Giannis. I, don't, I, I haven't seen it, and I don't know if it could happen. And the last time, just the other thing, too, Last time we saw Embiid and Jokic, and I'm not saying that this is going to happen in the finals, but last time we saw Jokic go up against a dude that everybody compares him to, Embiid gave it to him. And Jokic is going to be on a lot of people's target list if he comes away with his third straight MVP. So this this finals, or this series, or this playoff, whatever it's going to be where he says, you know what, to hell with this, I am taking this game over, not just from a passing standpoint, but also from a scoring standpoint, then I believe it. Then I believe it. But uh, the, I don't know. I don't know. There, there's something about it. Like It still feels nuggetsy. You know, it still feels like there's going to be something that that slows them down, whether it be an injury or a, a poor performance by a key player in a big no, they game. they can't defend the rim for crap. Well, I mean, that's why they, they traded for Thomas Bryant, right? You know, they, they traded for him to be a little bit of a rim defender. You know, they, they don't have uh, a, a guy who vertically is going to stop anything. So, yeah, man, they, they've got their issues, but they're terrific. They're a terrific, terrific team. And the Bulls should feel good about that win. But, you know, it, it makes all the, the lesser losses more glaring. It makes the Indiana loss that much more glaring, right? And speaking of Indiana, Ben Matherin, the only rookie this year to play all the games in the NBA so far, and he rolled his ankle to the like the full rollover where the like the side of the bone touches the ground. It was a nasty look. So hopefully that young man will get better while Tyrese Halliburton is out here just doing the most ridiculous shit every single night. Every single night in the month of March, Tyrese Halliburton has been like, "Hey guys, <laughs> hey, it's me." Anybody who needed a point guard or an all-star caliber player outside of the top three of that draft, because it was only a three-player draft. Hey, y'all. Hey. It's me over here just being an all-star. Yeah, man. So, Zach being on a tear is cool. This team playing the kind of basketball they did against the, the Nuggets is cool. I'm still worried about the Houston Rockets because I've seen too much Bulls basketball this year. But, man, it uh it, it kind of feels... You know, a little crestfallen, right? Kind of feels like, oh, man, Zach's grounding in the form. This should have been the time where you're talking about this team like you talk about the Knicks, like you talk about the Cavaliers, and Zach would have been rounding in the form and, and feeling that health coming right now at the end of the season for that playoff stretch where you're trying to get the fourth seed or something like that. But alas, you're on the outside looking in the Eastern Conference play-in scenario. Time for some commercials. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. That's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. Bulls Talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. Flies in with a two-handed slam dunk. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. So the other Bulls news that came out is um, something that, you know, I think we should be taking as seriously as it sounds. And that's Lonzo Ball uh, pending a third surgical procedure. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski and some others around the NBA have reported that this will be the case. And, you know, 
a lot of people react a lot of different ways when they get news about injuries to players. And you could just tell how someone's life is going by how they respond to a player being injured by the thoughts of, well, at least they got the money or, you know, uh, these guys, these athletes, what's going on with them? Or these guys, are, especially the, the, the new thing is questioning how tough athletes are nowadays. And to me, it's all, it's all noise. To me, a lot of it is shade. A lot of it is hate. And a lot of it is displeasure with, you know, our own lives, <laughs> unfortunately. But man, this sucks. It truly does. Like Lonzo Ball for all the all the stuff with Lavar and all the stuff with Lamelo and all the stuff with Leangelo, the man, you know, he's the one that introduced us to this family because of the what he was first and what the vehicle that that could be um, strapped to his back in terms of the marketing machine that was Big Baller brand and LeVar Ball, and then him saying, hey, the youngest one is going to be the coldest one, like all those things. And for it to seem like it was such a short time ago, because that's exactly what it was, right? Like, we got introduced to this dude six, seven years ago. We got introduced to a guy in high school six, seven years ago. And a short time later, and I I think I'm right in that, right? Like six, seven years ago, but in in a short time later, in, in a snap of a finger, we are talking about, the third procedure on an athlete's knee because he's having discomfort still with running and jumping. Like after you get past the basketball stuff, right? After you get past, he'll be fine because of how much money he has. Think about being one of the greatest in the world at something, right? Think about being the top of your profession, a prodigy, if you will, because that's what these dudes are. I I don't think we put enough sauce on that for people, right? Because if you had 16, 17-year-olds making hit records, all we do is talk about, hey, this is the next one. This is a big thing. This is, You know how many people out here rapping? You know how many people out here singing? This person has made it. But when we see it on a basketball court, when we see it on a baseball diamond, or when we see it on the, on the ice or on the playing field, we go, okay, that's just, you know, it's what's supposed to happen, right? But to see it happen and to watch a career go from what it was to from pretty much from sugar to I ain't going to say shit, but man, it is tough to hear. We've been talking about it in this city uh, for some time now. And the name Brandon Roy keeps popping up. My man, Big Joe Gardner down there in Atlanta mentioned Jonathan Bender. Like there's names that you could throw out there where you're like, oh, yeah, that guy just kind of didn't play again. And it starts with these multiple knee procedures or ankle injuries, whatever the case may be. And anytime you get cut and you have to continue to get cut time and time again on the same thing, like after a while, we're not even talking about playing a sport anymore. We're talking about quality of life. This is a dude who just started a family. So I I know y'all always tune in for the breakdowns and for the vitriol and for the hot takes and all that other shit. But man, this shit is sad to me. It's disheartening. It's disappointing. And of course, from a Bulls fan point of view too, I mean, you you talk about what you saw for a good 40-game stretch before the All-Star break last year to now. I mean, it it could not be more of a 180-degree turn in terms of interest and, and, and fascination and connection like Bulls fans feeling relevant for that time, for that moment, for that space where people had to recognize, oh, yeah, you, you got to watch the Bulls now. You got to contend with the Bulls. Fans from other cities wanting to talk about your team, like the civic pride that, that basketball can bring is different than any other sport. It's different than any other sport because the shit talking is three times a week. The, the highs and the lows are four times a week. The wanting to fire a coach is twice a week. The thinking that you got the MVP is once a week. And that all happened in a 40-game span. Those things happened in 40 games last year. And we it feels like five years ago now because of the basketball that we've watched where this team has been up and down. And to think that a max player in Zach Levine, who was one of the 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 really, really bright, young, and we should say now stars in the league, not just young anymore because he's in his vet days. OG like DeMar DeRozan, like all those pieces that are still involved 
Nikola Vucevic is going to take his 18 and 11 into the free agency market and go, hey, bring me the money. You feel me? I'm still that dude, even with limited touches, limited usage, and being forgotten about games at a time. And with all that, the one thing, the linchpin for this thing is the dude who's getting ready to have his third procedure on that same knee. Sucks, man. Sucks for the fan base, sucks for the organization. But most importantly, it's got to suck for the dude who never really, out of all the things that were said about Lonzo Ball, he never really got the requisite amount of credit for changing his game. And more importantly, he never really worried or cared about it or asked for it. Like, you got all-stars begging to be treated like super all-stars, like apparently in the league, right? You know, you got guys who like, hey, by the way, my 23 points a game and my eight assists a game and my $42 million paycheck aren't enough. I need to be recognized. This dude was told, hey, you're not going to score on, on the level that you did in high school, on the, on the college level? Change this game, said, hey, I don't need to. I'm here for one year to change this, this culture, change this program, make people feel something different about UCLA basketball. Did that. Got to the professional level. They told him, yo, that shot, I'm really worried about that shot. Oh, he's too skinny. Is he going to be able to defend? Is he going to have the heft to carry through an NBA season? And what did he do? By the end of this thing, he turned into a six or seven attempt per game guy at a decent number, at a high enough number for it to be six or seven attempts per game. A repeatable mechanic and emotion that turned into something that was a marketable skill. So yeah, man, these are the type of dudes who you talk about 20, 25, 30 years from now, you go, remember Lonzo Ball, right? And we thought we'd be saying it for a different reason when it came to Lonzo coming out of high school. But unfortunately, and, and I'm holding hope against hope that this dude gets a chance to realize some of what he should have been and could have been had it not been for these knee injuries because he finally found a spot that wanted him and was going to allow him to be him. Hell, he got to L.A., you know, LeBron came and calling, you got to go, right? It's time to go get A.D. You go to New Orleans, all of a sudden Zion gets drafted. We running the offense through him. Can't, can't knock it. <laughs> That's a game changer. But he got somewhere that gave him the basketball and said, hey, all we want you to do is run. And all he did was run it. All he did was run it. The most valuable piece in the last two years of Bulls basketball has not been around for a year and a half of it. So with this third procedure reportedly getting ready to happen. I wish the young man the best, but uh, yeah, man, it does not sound good. It does not look good. And I, I can't imagine that it feels good. So keep that in mind when we're talking about these things on these social media sites and all these other platforms that, yeah, this is one of those dudes who you wanted to root for, got a chance to root for, saw him change his game. And now, hey, like I say, professional sports ain't for everybody. And I'm not just talking about every body in person, but every actual physical body. And there, there are too many people not saying the right things about that young man's knee. So we wish him the best. But man, 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 it was uh, what a time to be alive last year before the All-Star break as a Bulls fan. Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. How you feeling, brother? Everything good? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I can't complain. I can't complain. So I'm sitting around, you know, I, I find out that you're going to be able to join us. I'm like, oh, shit, we're getting the heavy hitters on the full go now. <laughs> All of a sudden, the ring and writing staff is coming through. And I, I take a look because, I, you know, I, I, I like to think of myself as a casual uh, draft fan these days because college sports, for some reason, the last couple of years, I've been trying to reattach myself. The start of COVID kind of just kicked my ass. So, like, the college sports were the first to go <laughs> for me. And then on the comeback, I'm like, all right, getting back into it, getting back into it. So this year was the first year I'm like, okay. Jump back in, obviously, because the Bears got, well, I knew the Bears would be bad. We all knew the Bears yeah, would be yeah, bad. Yeah. We didn't know they'd be number one pick bad, right. but we knew they would be bad. And in watching it the entire year, my eyes were fixated on the dude that you have going in your updated mock draft nice. to the Bears with Will Anderson. Now, I was wondering if I was wrong in that Von Miller, when he was first drafted by the Broncos, I, I believe they were in a 4-3 before they switched to an all-out 3-4 situation. So is Will Anderson 
Is he an edge setter enough to play a 4-3 defensive end? And, of course, everything sub-packages these days anyway. So, Danny Kelly, please make me feel better about some of the things people have been like, nah, he'd be better in a 3-4 <laughs> and the Bears don't run that anymore. Uh, no, I think he'd be fine. I think he would do well at it. I mean, he's really strong. He's really tough. He's got really great length. Um, you know, I, I think he'd be just fine. And, uh, and honestly, like, he he might be a better run defender right now than he is like a pure pass rusher at this point. I think he's still, you know, like he's got the high, high upside, but he's he's still working on that. And so, yeah, I think, yeah, he would fit perfectly for them. I think it'd be awesome. All right. So, you know, I want the 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 intersection, right? The crossroads between the big board and how the mock draft fell for you. Because you got trades in that joint. You got the Indianapolis Colts taking CJ Stroud with the number one overall pick the last I look. And I don't I'm, <laughs> tell me if I'm wrong. But C.J. Stroud is at the top. You've got the Bears trading down to that fourth pick, getting extra picks from the Indianapolis Colts and drafting Will Anderson. Why C.J. Stroud? Because I'm starting to try to figure out, you know, how this draft's going to fall. And it really, really, I size it up to how many people think Bryce Young is that much better than the rest of the core. And right. what Anthony Richardson's going to do to this thing. So tell me why C.J. Stroud. Let's go from there. I mean, I think with Stroud, it's just he's the most polished. You know, he I think he showed that at the combine, too. Like, he's the best thrower of the football, which, you know, I think you can kind of lose sight of that during this whole process because everybody's talking about athleticism. Everybody's talking about, you know, this, that, or the other thing, playmaking outside the pocket and things like that because that's all stuff that's necessary in the NFL now, and people get really excited about that. But at the end of the day, I think Stroud is the best pure, like, thrower of the football, and he showed that off at the combine. Um, you know, if you look at his stats at Ohio State over the last few years, just absolutely ridiculous, bonkers stats. He obviously had a lot of help from his elite, elite receivers. Honestly, like the receivers he's throwing to in college are probably better than the ones he'll throw to in the pros for a couple of years here. So that, you know, is definitely something to like keep in mind throughout this whole process. But yeah, he just, to me, with the way that he finished off his college career, uh, he looked really good against Georgia um, in a loss, but he, he, you know, made plays out of structure. He got outside the pocket. He created on his own. These were all huge questions for him coming into the process. Like, can he, is he just a robot? Cause a lot of people were comparing him to Jared Goff, honestly, just a guy that you can like run offense through, but he's not going to like do a lot outside of structure, things like that. And then he showed that in that final game of his college career. I think, you know, he made it a point to like talk to a lot of teams about how he can do that. It's just basically, he was never asked to do that too much at Ohio stages because he had so much support there, but. Yeah, I think teams are going to come out of there and, and see him as probably the most polished. And, well, I think he, he's he's pretty close to Bryce Young, but Bryce Young has this, it's the, the elephant in the room. Maybe that's not the best thing for him because he's so tiny, but, like, he the, the size thing is a huge, huge concern. Um, you know, and I think a lot of teams are going to be saying to themselves, like, this is the type of guy, this is the type of player who can overcome being an outlier in size and then other teams are just not going to consider it because they're just not willing to bet their jobs on a guy who's 5'10", 200 pounds. So this is the part that I thought we were not past the size thing. Obviously, you want the ideal 6'3 <laughs> to 6'6 six, six right. kind of vibe. And if they're taller than that, then we're talking Dan McGuire curse and all this other shit, right? But the the Russell Wilson, the the, the Drew Breeses, and then the Kyler Murray, Johnny Manziel, you know, they, there's a lot of guys who have gone in where you're like, all right, we know that they're not 6'1". They may have big hands. They may have big feet. The, you know, the exceptions to the rule, which is Drew Brees and all the things that he did with his, his mechanics and his motion. But why this guy? Is it the size and speed and getting away from defenses? Is it the feel? Because that's all I've heard is how polished and how instinctual he is. And, yep. and I've watched him be that. So why now is size such a, a sticking point for Bryce Young? Well, I think for starters, like he got up to 204 pounds, I believe, for the combine, which is probably about at least 10 pounds heavier than he was playing at Alabama. And I mean, I think it was the right move for him, but at the end of the day, like he might not play at that weight. Like he's he's pretty slight, um, in addition to being short. So if you look at Russell Wilson, I mean, he's a thick guy. Yeah. If you look at Kyler Murray, and you and we've seen pictures of Kyler Murray standing next to Bryce Young, and Kyler Murray's body, like his composition, is just really different. He's he's a thick little guy, and so you know when you're that short, I think a lot of teams are going to say you got to have a little bit of like thickness and and muscle to you to like be able to, you know, live up, like play through all the rigors of an NFL season. Like, I mean, we saw what happened with Justin Fields this year. Like he got beat the hell up um, because he, well, part of it was he was running a lot, but like, right. you know, even in the pocket, like he's getting hit really hard. He's like just taking a beating. It helped a lot that he was like 200, whatever he is, 220 pounds. Um, I think a lot of teams still 
think about it that way. And basically, like you're having a 315, 320 pound guy landing on this dude, you know, a couple times a game. And that kind of thing takes its toll over time. And so teams are probably looking at, at, uh, at Bryce Young and wondering, like, does he have a long term future in the NFL? Cause I think everybody knows he can play. Like he's, he's the most natural quarterback. In fact, he's my number one quarterback in this class still, despite all this. Um, but I do think it, it's a real concern that he's so small. He's, he's not only short, he's slight. So that, that's the big thing. Danny, I want to ask you about another indicator of the, the times to come. And, and that's the running back position where, you know, you, with the franchise tag, if you got a premier talent, you're going to get five years out of a guy, six years out of a guy. And that's all you really need for the price that these running backs are going at now. Do you think we're going to see a swing in terms of, okay, we might not be able to sling it around the, the yard 45 times a game because our passing game isn't efficient enough or we don't trust the quarterback that we're going to have to pay some money to here soon. I look at B. John Robinson and I think, you know, guys like Edrin James and dudes like that where it was it was okay to draft a first round running back then we get back <laughs> to that era with Saquon yeah. Barkley um do you think this is a, just so so premier and so special a talent that it's hard to pass up in the top six or do you think that we'll see a little bit of a shift of going back to maybe if I see a, a, a playmaker a game breaker in the top 10 the top 10 talent at running back I, I shouldn't be scared to take him I think yeah the, the NFL is always cyclical, right and so for the last few years, or last like six, seven, eight years, you know, the running back position has been like extremely devalued, and and we've seen over the years, the teams especially that give their running backs a second contract. We're talking about like Ezekiel Elliott, um, you know, guys like Todd Gurley, where you start you, you start to see them breaking down even when they're only like 26, 27 years old. Um, and teams have, I think, in for mo- in most cases, not every case, like Christian McCaffrey, um, you know, it might end up being a guy that like goes against that. But then again, he had missed like large portions portions of the last couple of seasons. But I think generally speaking, like teams are a little bit afraid to give running backs that second contract. However, as you're saying, like some teams may start to see this as a little bit of a, a an edge where they can just draft a guy. And I would probably say like somewhere in the middle to the back half of the first round is, is still an okay value. You get that guy for five years. He's an explosive playmaker for you. Um, ideally, he is a big factor in the passing game too. And I think Bijan Robinson could absolutely be that. Um, and then you just don't give them this massive second contract and really put yourself in a hole. And getting five years of an elite guy, I think there's definitely value in that. And I think a lot of people don't believe that. A lot of people are saying, like, you can just replace a guy with some journeyman, veteran, whoever, like we saw what the Chiefs did this year. Um, and, you know, with Isaiah Pacheco versus, you know, where they spent a first rounder on Clyde Edwards Alaire a couple of years ago. And then the seventh round guy's coming in. So that would be, I think, the counter argument to everything I just said. However, the way that I look at it at the end of the day, is these running backs are getting, they're touching the football like 15, sometimes 20 times a game. And don't you want your best players touching the football? Don't you want your most electric, explosive, creative players touching the football? That to me is like enough, you know, and and I don't know if it's necessarily like, there's definitely going to be like people that would say analytically that doesn't make sense. But if I'm a coach, if I'm a GM, I'd rather give the ball to a guy who can like break it off for a touchdown and give and play than just some guy you know, some random guy that's like a sixth, seventh rounder. Anthony Richardson, is he the next Cam Newton or is he Akili Smith? <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, that's tough. I lean, I lean that he has the potential to be something really special. Um, you know, physically speaking, we haven't really seen a guy like him since Cam. Um, I mean, Josh Allen's probably the closest, but Josh Allen, I was going back and looking at his combine. He ran like a four, seven, like, Anthony Richardson is in a whole a slow like, different. Four, seven. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good. But, like, think about what we're talking about. <laughs> that's pretty good for two hundred forty pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four, seven. <laughs> Come on, get your slow um, ass off the track. But I think, but that that tells you how special Anthony Richardson is as an athlete. And I think honestly, yeah. you know, the fact that he's raw and, and like, and I, when I say raw, like he has thirteen career starts, and that's not very much in terms of like if you look at the history of quarterbacks taken in the first round of the draft. You know, the guys that have not started very many games, generally speaking, have not worked out very often. I mean, they still, sometimes it happens, but like the track record is not super strong. And so, Shout out to Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, I was going to say, well I, I didn't want to bring that up. But yeah, <laughs> no, I like, mean, it's all good. Yeah, yeah he, he's, a, he's a, <laughs> a shining example of that. And I think like teams have started to, you know, be a little bit more open to guys that have started longer in, in college and have more experience with the live bullets and things like that. But at the same time, man, I think people are, underselling what Anthony Richardson did in the short amount of time that he was starting. 
Um, you know, I think he showed a good feel for the pocket, which is something that you, I don't know if you can necessarily teach that. You know what I mean? Like it's sort of a feel thing. It's, it's a, it's a visual, um, like awareness of your surroundings type thing. Like he showed the ability to kind of like move around and avoid the rush. He's a huge guy. So he can also just like shrug pass rushers off of him. And so, um, you know, I think he's got the, the, he's got a cannon for an arm. He can move around in the pocket, shows awareness. I think most of the time, you know, he was making the right decisions. His accuracy is just a little bit scattershot. And I think part of that is just reps. Like he just hasn't really thrown that many passes in his college career, which is, of course, a huge red flag, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's not going to pan out in the NFL. So he's the type of guy that, like, I'm a Seahawks fan. Like, I would be stoked if the Seahawks took him. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. So speaking of red flags, you just mentioned it, Jalen Carter. You know, I've seen, yeah. and, and man, it, it, and it's crazy to look at it this way. And I'm, I, top of mind, two people lost their lives in this situation. So I want to be very mindful of that. But on the, yeah. the football side of things, where things do go on on that in that realm, you know, if you're looking at the Houston Texans, and I'm like, man, I can get the first or second best quarterback and stay where I'm at, and also around 12, because where I'm seeing is this dude's falling out of favor in terms of people not having enough information yet, not doing their investigative due diligence. If, if the Texans mess around and come away with, you know, C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young and Jalen Carter at 12, I, I mean, you talk about a start for D'Amico Ryan's. What what's your take on? Jalen Carter, the football player, before, you know, all the other stuff. Yeah, I mean, he is, yeah, obviously, to just to echo everything you said, obviously, it's a tragic situation. But at the end of the day, I, do, I don't think he's going to fall that much just because of what he is on the football field. He's so good. Mm. He's just so disruptive. Okay. He's big. You know, he's long. He's really, really powerful. We saw that, like, consistently in college. He just, like, straight up forklifts dudes off the line of scrimmage and gets into the pocket. He's really, really quick, especially for his size. And so... You know, he's what everybody wants is that he's a guy that can collapse the pocket from the inside. Like, obviously, edge rush is really important, too. But um, getting a guy that can that can either slice through the offensive line and get into the backfield or just straight up push him back into the quarterback is huge. And, you know, he's he's a special talent. So I don't know enough right now. And I don't think teams even know enough right now to say that he'll fall or see how much he'll fall in the draft. Um, I think, you know, this is just one of those situations you're going to have to wait and see. But. I don't think he's going to fall super far. And, and like you said, he might not fall past number 12 just because, uh, you know, the Texans will have the opportunity to to come out of there with like literally two blue chip players, two of the like, biggest blue chip players in the drafts. All right. The the second half of the top 10, five through 10, you know, there's a lot of talk that maybe Ryan Poles trades down not once, but twice and to, to stack as many picks as possible. Give us some of the names that you'll see around those realms that, yeah, let's face it, the Bears need everything. They need a yeah, completely yeah. new defensive line. They need a linebacker. They may need another safety here coming up soon, depending on what Eddie Jackson and his plans are, the, their Bears' plans for him. They need a wide receiver. They need a tackle. You got Peter Skaronsky <laughs> right there, you know, and everything. So they need everything. Yeah, um, keep going, need, keep going. Yeah, they what need a corner. <laughs> Devin, Devin Witherspoon. Michael. Okay, what, yeah. What, what, what are some of the names that that by the time this thing rolls around, we should be looking at in that five through ten range? Yeah, I think the guy that I keep thinking of, and and maybe this is just me trying to protect Justin Fields, but uh, Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern. I think you could plug him in at either tackle or guard, and he could be, you know, a long term st uh, starter for you. I don't know if you know. Obviously, Bears fans might not be super excited about getting a guard at, in the top ten, but it's but at the end of the day, like he's going to really, I think, change the way that your offense can run. When you have some protection on the inside, you open up the run game a little bit. He's just really, really solid. So he's a guy that I keep in mind. There's a couple other tackles that could be in that range too. Broderick Jones from Georgia, you know, Paris Johnson from Ohio State. Um, you know, solidifying the offensive line, getting a premium position that early would be great for them. I think corners, Christian Gonzalez, Evan Witherspoon, and Joey Porter are three that come to mind. Those are my three top guys. And I think all three of those guys would look great um, in Chicago. You know, Devin Witherspoon in particular is just a tone setter. Like, he's just... I call him... A, he's kind of like a maniac on the field. Like, he just, like, flies around. He has absolutely no care for his 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 body. He just throws himself around. He hits guys. He plays, like, with his hair on fire. He, he really... I think his, his aggressiveness and demeanor is just contagious. And so I think he's the type of guy who... Not only... Because not only is he, like, a great cover corner, but he just, like, the way he hits, the way he tackles, the way he, um, you know, covers a lot of ground in the secondary, I think he'd just be a type of guy who can really change the defense. So, um, you know, apart from that, there's there's plenty of interesting edge rushers. If Tyree Wilson falls a little bit from Texas Tech, he could be a guy that they target. 
Um, Miles Murphy from Clemson. Nolan Smith out of Georgia, who absolutely blew at the combine. I mean, he was like one of the most athletic edge rushers in combine history. And everything I've heard about him is he's really like the, one of the highest character guys in terms of he's a, like a great leader. Um, you know, again, another type of tone setter type that, you know, I think the Bears probably are kind of looking for those types of guys to like create the, the culture, create the foundation of what they're building over the long term. Because I know that, you know, I think the thinking is like long term, not necessarily just what, what we do in, you know, 2023. So those are a couple of guys that come to mind. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it, and you know the Tyree Wilson thing is is interesting to me. I keep watching a lot of his stuff because that is the kind of guy where if you trade down a second time and you get that kind of value, the, the longest arms at, at the position. Yeah, and, yeah, you know he's he's already at what two seventy one, two seventy three, something like that. He that'd be a, I think that'd be a consolation prize that Bears fans would have to get used to, right? It's not oh, for sure, Anderson, yeah, right. But he's still a premier prospect. All right, uh, before you spring, because you. We know you got to bounce, man. The weakest position group in the draft, in your estimation, and the strongest one? Ooh, that's an interesting question. Let's see. Um, I think just off the top of my head, like the linebackers in this group are, I would say like the the meat of the linebacker group is like second round. Um, there's not a lot of, I would say like blue chip guys in the first round that I would really be interested in, go, in, in drafting at this point. Like you got, you know, Drew Sanders out of Arkansas who is big, tall, sort of a hybrid pass rusher slash uh, off-ball linebacker. I think he could end up being really good down the line, but he's he's a little bit of a tweener. And then I'd say the same thing about Trent Simpson from Clemson, who hyper-athletic, plays all over the defense. But again, you kind of got to find the right spot for him when you get to the NFL and like figure out what he is. We've seen guys in the past um, who have been like the quote-unquote hybrids at linebacker, and then they just do, like, people don't know exactly where to play them once they get to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that can turn into a little bit of an issue. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm thinking of Isaiah Simmons, actually, who's another Clemson star. So, you know, I think it's just a, a matter of, like, where you see these guys playing. And so the, I would say, you know, linebacker doesn't necessarily get me super excited. And on the other side of it, it's a good question. Like, what the best... I think corner, honestly, is probably the best group. There's, it's just really deep, and there's a lot of really highly talented guys. There's probably, like, a good you know, 20 guys worth that could be in the top 100 um, in terms of just like the depth there. So I think tight end is really good. There's a lot of really interesting tight ends in this group. Not necessarily someone... I don't know if the Bears necessarily would want to prioritize that. I think Cole Komet is a solid, good, you know, starting tight end. And so that might not be the direction they go. But um, And then, you know, running back is a really good group too. All right, Danny, thank you so much, man. Appreciate you joining us. Make sure you guys go out there and check out the the big board. Got updated a, a day ago. Uh, also, the mock draft updated a day ago, and I'm sure the updates will continue to flow. Danny, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you for jumping on with us here this evening. Of course. Of course, anytime. Thank you, man. No doubt about it. Senior staff writer here at The Ringer, Danny Kelly, hipping us and getting us in tune, getting us the information that we need right here on the Full Go Podcast. We'll be back with more of the Full Go with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Bears talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. And the kick is good for the win! 
fade to black. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. I hope Bears fans are taking a really close gander at what's happening with the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson because the non-exclusive franchise tag is pretty much sending the bat signal into the fucking air for owners to be like, hey, let's collude. No one, no one, no one pull a Jimmy Haslam. Please, y'all, we got enough of this shit. The dude in in Kansas City is about to break the bank here again in about five years. Let's bring these prices down, okay? (laughs) Where are the Dak Prescotts of the world when you need them, right? Like Kyler Murray sitting over there with 220. Daniel Jones is like, give me 50. And they're like, all right, we'll give you 45. You know what I mean? Like, things are going crazy in the NFL right now. Derek Carr goes to New Orleans, gets money over there. Like, quarterbacks are doing whatever the fuck they want. Russell Wilson is still looking at Sean Payton like, hey, 166 guaranteed player, whether you make me better or not. So, the non-exclusive franchise tag is the salvo shot across the bow by the ownership groups out there like you know what hold the goddamn line we cannot mess with this kid has already won an mvp right he's 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 a sterling pillar of the community like we we've tried to plant shit on him and it doesn't stick he's you know what i mean he's he's not like mr nasty man in cleveland right like this is we have to hold the line these player prices are going out of this damn world, right? And meanwhile, Lamar Jackson sitting there with him and his mama like, oh man, we really wish we could float some bad information out there about these teams. And guess what? It came out. How about the training staff reports and all the other things that are coming out about the Baltimore Ravens? Now it kind of it kind of makes it very evident what Lamar Jackson was getting at. And this ain't no negotiation. Lamar is like, hey, 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 we can save some time here. This is the number. <laughs> and boy, it, you know, I'm going to let y'all in on here. We family. We family. I turned into an old black man when I heard the report of the, the this is the number report. I turned into, I was like, oh, look at, see, that boy know about his money. All right, now, like, go on with your bad self. You feel me? I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there just rocking back and forth, just singing Negro spirituals. Lamar gonna get his money. You know what I mean? Like, I'm doing that because I'm like, man, this dude is, he's holding the line. And then they hit him with the non-exclusive franchise tag. Moral of the story, though, including Dak Prescott, right, including this Lamar Jackson situation, you got to pay these dudes as early as you know that they are going to be with your team for a while, as early as you can. And we coming very close, right? Like how many more years left on this deal? Is it three, right, if I'm not mistaken? Two in 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 a possible in spades terms? Because if you're giving Justin Fields two years to figure out if he's the dude or not, or if more importantly, if you have to pay him or not, it's only going to become more and more expensive the more you try to hem and haw about if he's the guy or not. And and if you're going to start using, like I know people like to throw around those terms of, you know, Justin Fields is a running back and, you know, it's all, some of it's dog, no, most of it, if not all of it is dog whistly bullshit. But man, if you're going to start messing around, you got two years, right? So you got to figure out in this next year what the deal is, literally. Like, how much is Justin Fields going to cost you? And then this is the fun part. Because then, when you're not with that first-round draft pick, you know, quarterback contract team, right, that, that leeway to mess around a little bit, then you find out who can draft and who can develop and who the real GMs and scouts and talent developers are in your organization or, for that matter, in the rest of the league. Because the GMs who have to pay a quarterback and still are pressed, because obviously your quarterback raises the level of everybody's play and, and the confidence level of your team having some sustainability, right? But if you got the guy and you think he's the guy, and you paying him like the guy, you're going to have to surround him with guys who you ain't paying. That means you're going to have to hit on draft picks, right? So this, this draft is so important in so many ways. Yeah, it's important enough that you got to get dudes who you can help who can help Justin Fields, whether it be directly on the offensive line, at wide receiver, whatever the case may be, maybe a running back, whatever the case may be. But, man, you got to stack them picks because – 
you got to hit on those picks when time comes to pay this dude. This Lamar Jackson situation is amazing to watch. This dude took over a bad Joe Flacco-led offense that wasn't designed for him, got them boys to the playoffs. Next year goes to the to the championship game, if I'm not mistaken, and then, and then messes around and wins an MVP. Like, this dude did Derrick Rose-like things in the first few years of his NFL career in terms of winning MVPs and, you know, taking over franchises. And then when it's time to pay him, because, and, and this is the other thing, I'm not lame to the game. I know what the Ravens are saying. They're like, yo, you play 12 games a year for us over the last two or three years, right? And whether that's cool or not, because you could look at a lot of, like, I'm sure if you average out what Joe Burrow's done over the last few years, it's been, he's missed a whole bunch of games, right, with the knee injury. Uh, a lot in one year, don't get me wrong. But, yeah, man, if Lamar Jackson is going to get treated like a running back and say, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll franchise you out for the, a year after the contract, you know, and then go about our business. I wonder if Ryan Bowles is going to play that kind of pool if Justin Fields ascends to that level. Because let's face it, if Justin Fields ascends to an MVP level and then all of a sudden gets the non-exclusive franchise tag thrown on him, as if this city and this organization has seen many quarterbacks where it's like, oh, don't worry, we, we developed those, we good. No, nah, man, that, like, the, it'll, chaos will ensue. So uh, if, if I'm Ryan Poles, this whole trade down twice thing, I'm not for it. Yeah, like, I'm not for it. Like, I want to stay up at the top somewhere where I can get some kind of premium talent. And I'm not saying Pete Skaronsky isn't a great talent. Or I, I'm not saying that I don't want the middle of the offensive line shored up if Cody Whitehair is a, a, a cap casualty of some sort. But, man... You better give me an ass kicker. <laughs> you got to get an ass kicker with that. And listen, that the ass kicker list, I don't know how far it goes down, right? If it goes six picks down, seven picks down. But I'll be damned if I'm a Bears fan and watch the ass kicker list, like, stop right after the pick I got, right? Like, right before I should say the pick I got. Where it's like, ah, the, the, the first eight guys drafted ass kickers. And man, number nine is ours. Yay, Bears. You, boy, you need as much shit to put around this dude as possible because you're going to have to pay. I, I think he's going to perform to the level, if we're talking about the same dude here, he's going to perform to the level where you're going to have to figure out if you're going to pay him. And the smart teams pay these dudes early. So they, they, get, they get it on the back end, right? Like, you mess around and, and stare down the Justin Fields like the Cowboys did Dak Prescott and have to pay him on top of that and feel like the Cowboys feel currently about Dak Prescott. Right? You feel like you're shooting yourself in the foot. And you, like, this is, this is what's happening right here in my mind. That's why, do you, do you fortify the team enough or do you, get, do you get some boom playmakers where it's like, all right, cool. I know that he's the dude so much so that I want to give him early money. Because this Lamar Jackson, hey, if you could play around with the former MVP and the guy who is the, the tentpole to your entire organization, let's face it, man, that offense is boo-boo without Lamar Jackson, okay? And maybe some of it is because they got Lamar and, you know, wide receivers don't want to play there, all that other bullshit that you hear about, quote-unquote, mobile quarterbacks. But, man, you mess around and, and tally up real MVP thoughts, look at that team and that offense, especially without that dude. Now, on a much smaller, much, 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 much smaller scale, if Justin Fields is going to round out his passing game and also be the runner that we saw last year, He's going to have that kind of, hopefully, that kind of um, impact on this franchise. So just keep an eye out, Bears fans. Watch what's happening right now with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens and hope and pray that you're not in that situation a couple of years from now. What up, world? It's Vic Spencer, and you're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Oh, Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all. Man. <laughs> tiger, Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all. <laughs> Part two of that dog, baby. <laughs> hey, hey, let me The marathon continues, bro. <laughs> hey, if you're going to be a villain, fuck around and lean into it. Right? Don't half-ass it. Do all the shit that people know you have been on. Now that your image has been stained and, and marred and, 
and you are of ill repute now. You are a scoundrel, right? Nobody, like, man, that man got in trouble for cheating. That man got in trouble, got in divorced. Everybody act like he was, that man, they act like that was Mussolini, boy. And it was like, <laughs> oh, you, you made us believe you were a good father. Why can't he be a good father and cheat? <laughs> I mean, let's, let's have a real conversation. Huh? Like, let's be real. He can't love his babies and also, you know what I mean? Not, you know, not feel that love and feeling like you used to. Oh, my God. By the way, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But if you haven't heard, Tiger Woods. That's the title of this pod. <laughs> Why can't he be a good father in chief? <laughs> no, don't get me fucked up out here, bro. No, I'm already... <laughs> I'm already out of money. Don't 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 get me messed up out here. <laughs> but for real though, this man sent his girl on a trip, and then, if I'm not mistaken, had her pack all you know to had her people take him to the airport, and, <laughs> and then they told her don't don't come, don't ever come back to the house. Change the locks on her, and she's suing for thirty million dollars. For quote services rendered, let me tell you something. Let me let me look, let me look right into the camera. And I don't care. This ain't being recorded. I need something to focus on. Yo, yo, <laughs> the services that would have to be rendered for thirty million dollars of a lawsuit. Like this ain't just we live together. <laughs> you have to be my agent, my pastor. My barber, my seamstress, uh, my cook, um, uh, my financial consult. Well, you already know that's the vibes. <laughs> my financial, I mean, services rendered. And notice, I didn't even get to, you know, whatever all y'all nasty asses are thinking out there. But man, Tiger Woods, I don't know if you are a hero or a villain, but boy, you know, you, I can't even call him a city boy because he, you know, he, he he would he would he would blush at the mere thought of being termed a city boy. City boy with it. City boy with it. City boy. City boy. City boy with it. City boys up hundred points. Let's go. Hey, hey, city city boys down six strokes. <laughs> what? Tiger Woods. Mr. Mr. Clean Cut, Mr. Remember when uh, it all went down and they had him take that OJ like ass picture where he had the, the the scruffy beard and you know he was buff and you know they they tried to show him in his sinister light. It was kind of like when the Hammer did the pumps in the bump video. It was like, man, what Hammer is this? I remember we got to pray Hammer and now all of a sudden <laughs> it's too legit to quit. Haven't got a gun now. <laughs> like, wait a minute, Tiger Woods is is changing the locks on these chicks on the way out of town. What kind of scoundrel president of my greatest scoundrel fan club? Like that dude, man. That dude. That dude. Like he just he about to go on a tear, boy. Like, <laughs> It's about to be the summer, too. He's about to be touring. What? Tiger on the road? <laughs> Fresh out of the relationship? Oh, Don't care about jump. winning? You just pull up and oh. be Tiger? No pressure of winning? Board he up. he, he essentially retired. Oh, he essentially rat. retired. Like, he's not winning rat. nothing else. Tiger, Tiger hey. about to be a wild boy. Hey. hey, everyone in the southeastern corridor. <laughs> Guard. Everything, gird your loins, guard your ladies. Like, it is about to be a problem for y'all out here, huh? And for all of y'all that think that, hey, I'm cool, <laughs> Tiger, someone of Tiger's ilk wouldn't have their eye on my girl. <laughs> Check the resume, fam. <laughs> Do some homework. <laughs> that man, you are you know that man's work. <laughs> like you mess around and be a Denny's drive-through attendant out here in these streets this summer while Tiger's on the rampage. You crazy as hell. Where are you going this Not weekend, happy. baby? Oh, just this mm-hmm. little PGA tour with with the with the ladies. Huh. Uh-huh. I didn't know you like golf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Should he should he go with the iron? Should he go with the wood? Huh? All right. I should probably shut it on down now. <laughs> the full goal with Jason Golf. All right. That's all the time we have for this extremely ridiculous episode. Number 216 of the full goal podcast. I want to thank our guest, Danny Kelly, 
senior staff writer for The Ringer. He's got his mock draft up. He's got his big board up. They just got updated. So Bears fans, NFL fans, make sure you go to TheRinger.com and check out Danny Kelly's posits. He is a, he is a smart football mind. I look forward to talking to him more as this draft process rolls along. I want us to say thank you to our production staff, as always. Shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti and the actor Jesse Lopez and my main man, Tony Gill. Not Anthony. Right, that's only for Sundays when he brings out the Anthony. He was he was calm. He was uh, calm. This yep. pod. Wait, the uh, next episode. What's a Thursday? Sunday? Yeah, Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. Sunday pod. Uh huh. You gonna bring out the playoff uni? So got I'll the see got the robe ready. <laughs> Y'all don't even know. It's a very uncomfortable moment where on a Sunday Tony would just show up in his finely coiffed terry cloth robe. And just stare at us talk while we're talking sports for an hour and a half or so. All right. Thank you to the crew. Uh, and thank you to you. Thank you for downloading this thing. But man, before I get to the regular spiel, though, seriously, though, you guys and girls have been running up on me in the streets. Uh, shout out to Borch65 on Call of Duty tonight, who uh, was like, hey, is this Jason Goff? And I'm like, uh, I think so. And then he told the rest of the crew that we were running with what I do for a living, which immediately made me stop saying the words that I was saying before he said that and uh, got got onto my, you know, representative of a couple of companies, you know, vibe, right? You know, I, I, I was like, I'm sorry for calling you that slur. And I, I apologize for saying that to you about your mother. And uh, hey, kid, you you know, you will grow up and be somebody. Like, I had to take all the shit that I had said back because people are listening to this pod, and I appreciate y'all, all right? This thing is gaining traction, and uh, we are uh, putting out three of them a week. Hopefully, you're enjoying it, and uh, we continue to uh, continue to have fun, and we appreciate you. Seriously, man, we, we thank you for downloading this thing. We thank you for subscribing to this thing. We thank you for rating and reviewing it. Make sure you're doing that out there and giving us five stars. If not, we're going to see you in these streets. And uh, share it with your family and friends, as always. Thank you. And we leave you with this. Uh, we'll talk to you on Thursday. Th today's Thursday. I'm tripping. Today's Therapy Thursday. We'll talk to you on Sunday. And Tony will have the robe out. Um, Jesse will feel a little bit better. And Chest we'll get hair, it on. all we'll out. vibe on Sunday. Yeah. Chest yeah. hair. I, I, I'm sure the people would love to uh, put that imagery in their head as they're jogging or, you know, making breakfast for their kids the next morning, Tony. So Tony's chest hairs will be out and we will be outside on Sunday talking about bulls, rockets, and anything else that pops up in the world of sports. So thank you once again. We'll leave you with this as always. Take care of each other and be safe.